This is Jim Laws, along with Nat Ayers, bringing you The Gospel is for All, Internet Radio Broadcast. Our program is offered on the TGRN.org website, and we're always delighted to have you with us on our radio program and Bible study. We are coming to you from the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas, and we always look forward to your visit and encourage you to come and be with us at the Broadway Church of Christ whenever you possibly can. Nat and I have been studying from the pages of the Bible regarding the matter of salvation, and we've looked at a number of important points, and uh, we've looked at how one can be saved and why one should be saved and why uh, there are some who are willing to follow the Word of God and why there are some who are not. And so, Nat, I'd like today to look at a few thoughts from the pages of the Bible about why do men fail to be saved. And I I think it's time for us to consider that point, especially in previous lessons and Bible studies that we've had over the idea of some men think they're saved before they're baptized, which we've shown to be a false notion. Some seem to think that all they have to do is be saved by faith, which again is a false notion. But we spent several weeks studying what the Bible says about that. I'd like to, for the next uh, several studies together, look at why do men fail to be saved to begin with. And Nat, I, I thought of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, and then I've also thought of Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. So I, as we always do, I'd like to start our Bible study with uh, reading of the Scripture, which gives us a platform to begin. And I'm going to ask everyone to turn to Proverbs chapter 16, and verse 25, And Nat, uh, if you will, read that for us, and then also the Matthew 7 passage. All right, Jim, thank you very much. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with our listeners. We'd ask that, like Jim said, turn turn uh, in your Bibles with us so that we can study God's Word together. What an important topic this is to to discuss uh, why it is that that man uh, uh, will not be saved or can be lost, and, and what are the reasons... Uh, is it is uh, is it he to blame? Is it God's fault? Is it the Word's fault? Well, you know what's the reason? And so this is a good study. Proverbs sixteen twenty five. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now let's look at Matthew seven twenty one, and then we'll come back and look uh, at this passage uh, a little closer. But Matthew seven. Jim, you were thinking 21 through 23. That's what I was thinking about. You may want to read a little more there. It would be fine. Okay. Let's read here. Uh, Let's let's just do 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name and do many wonderful, uh, mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, when you pair Matthew seventeen, twenty-one uh, through 23 with Proverbs uh, sixteen, twenty-five, we see that uh, man left his own devices can think that something is right. He can have the emotional uh, feelings and the thought that that what he is doing is right or it seems right to him. But we see the end 
uh, is the way to death. And so we see that, that a man's way and God's way are not always the same way, that, that we can be led astray by our own feelings, our own thoughts, but we can be led away from God. We can be led from life to death uh, by our own thinking, our own ways that draw us. And we see here that in Matthew seven twenty one, uh, we're talking about the day of judgment here, and and when those that will be gathered before before uh, Christ and, and and God, and we see that they will come before Him, and not everyone's going to say, "Lord, Lord, uh, we enter the kingdom of heaven," but He who does the will of My Father who is in heaven. Now it doesn't say there that those that do what seem right to themselves but those who do the will of the Father. And it says there that many on that day will uh, say, but didn't I do these wonderful things? Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons, do mighty works? Now, those people, Jim, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> were doing things that seemed right to them. When you see this, I see sincerity in what these people say. I see these people saying, you know, we thought we were right in doing this, you know, Surely that counts for something. You know, they're crying out because they're fixing to miss the judgment and they realize it and they're saying, hey, uh, you know, we did do great things. But what he's saying here is it wasn't according to the will, it was according to what seemed right to you. And because of that, you worked, all those works that you did were lawless. They, they They didn't follow my law, my word. And so therefore, you must depart. And what a sad thing that'll be when those have to depart, that that live their lives according to what seemed right to them. That is so true, Nat. Uh, We're studying Matthew chapter 7, and we're looking at verses 21 through 23, and it's the beginning point of of the thought that we are studying today, and that is why do men fail to be saved? And the first point is Nat has made, and that is there are many who are lost. Uh, We're asking the question, why? Why would they be lost? And, of course, as Nat has brought out, uh, it is a matter of doing the will of the Father. It's not just a matter of doing what we think is a good idea. It seemed like to me this would be a good idea to do. But that's not the point. As Nat has brought out, the point is what has God authorized us to do? What is the will of the Father? And as you read through Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it makes it pretty clear when he says that uh, many on that day, many will say to me. Now, I don't know how many that is. It doesn't say. I don't know exactly of the multitudes of people uh, that have lived uh, in, uh, in time, how many that would include. But I would say that he's saying that the majority, when he says many uh, will say to me in that day, uh, have we done this? Have we not done that? Have we done mighty works? And then will I declare to them, Jesus is saying, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So I think we'd have to establish the fact here that many are lost and that few are saved. Uh, we could go to, um, while we're in this context, verse 13, yeah. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. There's yeah. that word again. Yeah. Uh, For the gate is narrow, verse 14, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the point is made rather clearly in Matthew 7. 
if you're reading out of uh, verses 13 and 14, or if you're reading out of verses 21 through 23, that there are many who are lost. There are few that are saved. And God knows these particular matters. And the thing that has caused me to wonder about this is why. Why do we have such a situation as this, especially in light of the fact that God's grace is so freely available to everyone? Now, Nat, a good verse on this would be Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And if you will, I'm going to have you turn to Titus 2, 11. And, and, and those who are studying with us today, and I, I hope that you have your Bible with you and that you're turning to these Bible passages along with us, We'll also turn to this uh, very important Bible passage, which gives light and understanding to the subject at hand. You know, God's grace is readily available to all, Titus 2.11. And, uh, Nat, if you would read that for us and and then help us understand it better. Sure. Uh, Let's read a few passages uh, after this as well. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, I'm sorry, yes, uh, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see here that God's grace, His great love, that we learn about through his word, uh, that grace has appeared to us through his word, bringing salvation for all people. It's a trainer. The, God's word is a trainer. Uh, it trains us to renounce ungodliness, worldly pass- passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We're not left to our own um, senses, our own ways, uh, to figure this thing out. We have God's word, his grace that has appeared to us, that has been brought before us through his word um, that, that brings salvation. And that is a training guide, if you will. It is a, uh, God's word is to be utilized to help us not miss heaven. You know, if you want to know how to get to heaven, and what we have to do, what kind of lives we have to live, then we need to consult God's Word. Uh, He didn't leave us in the darkness. He didn't leave us without knowledge of how to to make it to Him in heaven. Uh, He's given us His Word, uh, and uh, it is up to us to take that Word and, as we said here, train ourselves, mold ourselves, transform ourselves, to be pleasing to God. So true. We're looking at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. God's grace is offered to everyone. Yes. That's the point that Nat is making, and that's the point of the passage that Nat has read. There's another passage closely related to that. I'll go ahead and read that for us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Hebrews 2, 9 is a passage which talks about the fact that not only is the grace of God available to all, but Christ died for everybody. Yes. He didn't die just for the elect. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. 
He didn't just die for the select few. He died for everyone. Uh, the point that causes concern is if God has made such provision for everyone's salvation, why are so many people lost? Yeah. I mean, the reason, does the Bible have an answer for that? Is there some explanation for that? Another passage that comes to mind, Romans chapter 5. And here's a verse that I think you might want to write down and, and copy and study when you have the opportunity. And I'd encourage you to do that with all these Bible passages as we study them. Write them down, make reference to them, so that you can study them in the confines of your home when you have the opportunity to do so. Here's a Bible passage that says that the saving power of the blood is easily available to everyone. Now, God is using blood as the agency for cleansing, and the blood of Christ is the price that was paid for the salvation of mankind and forgiveness of sin. Uh, point, the point is being made here. It's available to everyone. Romans chapter 5, 8, and 9, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? So it's telling us rather clearly that the blood of Christ has been shed for our benefit. Nat, while we're here, let's go to Romans 6. Now, I have you read verses 3 through 5 of Romans chapter 6, another Bible passage that talks about the saving power, the blood of Christ. And this particular matter continues to build. We have passage after passage that talks about the fact that God wants everyone to be saved. Yes, let's look at this. Romans 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So we see here that, Jim, that, um, you know, the the blood of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection were all done. Uh, it was all, um, he, he, he died, he was buried, and he resurrected himself. He shed his blood uh, so that we would have salvation that we could have salvation um and it it was offered for everyone anyone can take part of it but sadly many today do not take part of this death burial and resurrection that's mentioned in romans chapter six so true it's available for everyone yes. as you pointed out uh it's amazing to me the lengths that god has gone to save mankind from sin uh, we see Bible passage after Bible passage talking about God's grace is offered to all. Titus 2.11, Christ died for all. Hebrews 2 verse 9, the saving power of his blood, easily available to everyone. Romans 5, 8 and 9, and as you've read here and studied for us, Romans chapter 6 verses 3 through 5. There is a, it is amazing fact that God indeed has gone to such great lengths for man to be saved Yet why do men fail to be saved is the question that really comes to mind in a more vivid detail. Uh, there's another verse that I thought of, Nat. It's in Revelation. 
I think it's a very sobering verse. I'll read this, Revelation 20. And uh, as you're studying with us, I hope you'll turn and read along with me. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Revelation 20, beginning at verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, uh, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, Nat, it's pretty clear what he's uh, talking about here. The alternative to salvation is so terrible. Uh, To be thrown into this lake of fire, to be thrown into eternal condemnation because one's name was not found in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, of course, these figurative uh, descriptions, the books, the Book of Life, the Lake of Fire, these are telling us about our accountability before God, that God's going to hold us accountable, and that those who are not faithful to God and obedient to God will be lost eternally. That's the point of the passage, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Why is it then are people not saved? If the grace is so available, if the blood is so readily readily, uh, readily accessible, if um, the Christ died for all as he did, and if eternal condemnation is so consequential and so terrible, why aren't more people saved? Let me offer a suggestion here, Nat, and we'll, we'll talk about that together. Uh, I'm going to suggest that some people are not saved because they never come to a realization that they're lost. Right. They don't know it. Right. They don't realize that they're lost and that they do not realize that they have sinned and that uh, sin is a transgression of the law. There's a Bible passage in 1 John 3, verse 4, and then we could read uh, Romans 3. So, Nat, if you don't mind, it's a short verse. Verse John 3, 4, and then we'll go to Romans 3 together and study what the Bible has to say. What is God's Word teaching us there? 1 John 3, 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Basically what we're saying there is um, when we sin, uh, we care not about the law. We are breaking the law. We we, uh, pay no mind, no heed. Uh, to what the law says, um, it's the same thing. If we uh, we know there's a law against uh, uh, going over 55 miles an hour in our, in our vehicles, and we drive 60, you know we care not what that law says. We we're not abiding by that law, and sin is not abiding in Christ's law, the law of God. And and so we see there that uh, that sin uh, for those who practice sin where you're practicing lawlessness. That is so true. And then I think, Nat, Paul's point in Romans chapter 3, if you'll take a moment and let's all turn to that together. I was thinking, though you could almost pick out any verse in this third chapter, let's focus on verses 9 through 12. 
And then when you've helped us understand that, Nat, go to verse 23, Romans 3 and 23, and notice what Paul is saying about the universality of sin. And notice how he's saying that all of sin. You see, I think a lot of people don't stop and take note of the fact that they're sinners and that they're lost. Yep. Romans 3, 9, 10, what then? Are we Jews any better off? Not, uh, no, not at all, for we have already char- charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, is righteous no, not one. And then in uh, verses 23, yeah, tr- read for all for have sinned and uh, fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Now, when He says not all of for all of yeah. sin, how many does that include? Every person that ever lived other than Christ. That's exactly right, Nat. Nat has read for us Romans three, nine and ten, and uh, that that eleven and twelve. As I said, you can almost pick out any verse in chapter three, and see this great point that all are guilty of sin. Uh, Romans 3 and 11, no one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not uh, even one. And just right on through. And then as Nat pointed out in verse 23, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. I think that's our first task in helping people understand that they need the grace of God that they need forgiveness of sin. A lot of times, especially in an affluent society like we have, uh, where people are, uh, where people have done so well, they've accumulated so much, they live in a nice house, they drive fine automobiles, there's plenty of food on the table, and, you know, there's money left over in the checking account. Uh, why do we need God? I mean, they begin to think that way. Yes. And uh, when they have so much and the children are doing well and everybody has their health and everything's going very well, uh, one begins to wonder, well, why do I need God? I've got everything that I want. Uh, The fact of the matter is I'm not going to seek grace and I'm not going to pursue the blood of Christ and value the death of Christ unless I see the need for it, unless I see how important or how desperately I need. The fact of the matter is I'm in desperate need of the grace of yes. God. Yes. You know, we're told uh, in the Sermon on the Mount to seek first the kingdom of God. Well, what if we've already made up our own kingdom here? What if our kingdom That's good is is power and money? And, yeah. You know, if, if we're seeking after the world's kingdom and the kingdom that uh, we want here on, in, on this wor- in this world on this earth, we're probably not going to seek after the kingdom with all that we have. And uh, I think too many people, like you say, have built up their lives, their treasures here on earth, and, and you're not going to look uh, towards God if, if if you're clinging to everything uh, here uh, on this earth. And that's probably one reason among many reasons yes. why people do not seek God, yeah. do not seek salvation. They don't feel like they need it. Right. Never really comes to their mind. They they right. don't realize their lost condition without Christ. Right. But they truly are, just as these Bible passages indicate. Now, to be separated from God's a terrible spiritual state to be in. And I always think of Isaiah fifty nine, one and two, because that Old Testament passage, even though it is in the Old Testament, gives us a principle here and a concept that's still the same. 
And that principle and concept is that sin really separates man from God. And you can't be in a pleasing relationship with God when sin's in your life. So I'm going to turn over to Isaiah 59, and I encourage you to do that with me as well. You may even want to mark this passage in your Bible so that you can go back and read it with some degree of regularity because it is telling us what's happening between us and our relationship with God. Nat, if you have Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, uh, go ahead and read for us. Sure. Uh, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Right. right. You know, um, Jim, it, we, ha- we have a God that from the time we're born to the time that we die loves, cares about us, knows us. Uh, he uh, He knows the hairs on the uh, number of hairs on our head. But uh, he cannot reach past our sins. His hands are not shortened. His ears not dull, but he cannot go past our sins to help us. Um, Our sins are what separate us. It it builds that that wall that uh, he he himself cannot, uh, um, he does not allow himself to uh, go through that sin for us. We have to come to him we have to come to him through christ to fill that uh separation that void that is caused by sin uh, he's not going to come past our sins that is so true israel had to learn that lesson right. in the old testament they were wondering why isn't god helping us yep. why isn't god hearing us when we pray why isn't god blessing us when we need these blessings and isaiah is telling them well it's not that he can't yep. it's a matter that he won't That's because right. sin is separated Uh, you from God. And that's what sin does to us. Sin separates us. Now, modern man is still the same as ancient man. People are still people. I mean, they still are the same as they were back in the very beginning. They face the same problems and have to deal with the same struggles. We wear different clothes and we live in different houses and we have a lot of more modern conveniences than they ever had. But the fact of the matter remains, the problems that we face now are the same as they faced then. And the ultimate problem that we face is sin in our lives, even though a modern man may not realize it. He's got to come to an understanding that sin has separated him from God and thus he needs to seek after God and the redemption that can be found in Jesus Christ. And that's one of the real reasons why men do not fail, men fail to be saved, is because they will not follow or pursue the will and the word of God. Well, I enjoyed being with you this uh, half hour, Jim. We appreciate you uh, listening in to our radio program, and we hope that you will listen in again next week.